Hey, everybody, welcome to the Grow Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McNulty, and this is your personal development school of growth, where each week my guests and I will bring and break down big ideas and practices that will help you learn, grow, and succeed in life. Thanks for checking us out. Now, let the growth begin. Welcome, all you seekers of learning and growing. Thanks for joining me again for another podcast episode of Grow Yourself. This is your personal development school of growth where I invite guests to talk about, you know, life, about personal, professional, even spiritual growth, and then try to break it down into, you know, small bites or into ways that we can consume this information and ultimately become, uh, you know, to grow, learn and grow and change and become better human beings and all those sorts of things. You know, I have to say that my vision for Grow Yourself is not really that complicated, you know, but I, I do want it to be more than a podcast. I really kind of see it as an invitation to unlock your potential, to to shed the layers that, you know, that bind you to to pursue truth, by the way, to ignite curiosity, to nurture, most of all, to nurture, you know, our needs, your needs, my needs in pursuit of the truth and life, to be better people, to, to learn, to grow, to change. And you need not go any farther than Kevin right here than to find a person who just has a lot of questions, who, who has certainly less answers than questions, but it, uh, I, I believe in the pursuit of asking questions and perspectives. And again, my curiosity drives my life. And, uh, and again, all sort of in the pursuit of truth. And in this episode, we are in fact going to have, I guess you could say a meta discussion about truth, asking the question, uh, you know, and, and perhaps my guest is sitting in the background cringing that he has to answer the question, what is truth? So it's a small, just a small thing to, to ask of him. But my guest is Bill Cohen, and he's been reading and studying the Bible for over 30 years. But he started off on a similar path or journey, I guess you could say, as folks like uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, Lee Strobel, Frank Morrison, you know, where he began, I guess you could say, exploring religion, reading the Bible, but really with the purpose of of expo exposing its errors, if you will. But after 13 years, he became convinced that Jesus is in fact the Son of God. Now, he spends most of his time helping people understand the truth of who God is and, um, and, 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 and what he really said, you know, if you will. Bill believes that uh, God is and I'm going to ask him about this question because I read this in his bio that he said, he said that he believes that God is consistently misrepresented. And I think that's a fascinating thought to bring up. So if you will, I would like you to welcome Bill Cohen. Bill, thank you so much for being here with us on Grow Yourself. Thank you, Kevin, for having me. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. You know, th th I do. I, I do have a lot of questions for you. I'm sure many more questions than we have time. But I want to start with, if I may, first of all, asking you, Bill, to just tell the audience, you know, who is Bill Cohen? Just, you know, tell me a little bit maybe about where you were brought up or, you know, just who is Bill Cohen? Well, uh, it's a long story, of course. I'll try to keep it as short as possible. But um, 
I think I'll start with telling you that my life is divided into three parts. Hmm. So the first part of my life, up until the time that I decided I was going to try to find out what the truth was, I lived in what I call rebellion. Rebellion means I wasn't interested in God. I wasn't uh, interested in conforming to any beliefs of what the Bible said or anything else. Uh, I didn't, and or any other religions, not just Christianity. I just wasn't interested in religion. So I was rebelling. So I was probably in my early 40s when I finally, with two children, young children, reading the newspaper and seeing that the same stories were being written every every year for years about kidnappings, murders, you know, all these things happening. And I'm going, what can I do to make a difference in this world? Mm. And I thought, I have no idea because I could pick something to do that could actually be working against what the truth is, what the real reality of this world is. So I decided, well, who who better to start with to, on this journey would than to get into the philosophers? I had taken philosophy courses in college, but I really wasn't serious about it. I was just taking a course. Hmm. But now I was going to try to figure out what do they really say, because these are people who are really devoting their lives to trying to figure out what is this life really all about. So to do that, you'd have to know what the truth was. So I started yeah. at the beginning with Socrates and worked through, and it's, you know, Socrates' big deal was know thyself, you know, mm -hmm. and all through the uh, philosophers, you get this sense that they're all trying to figure this question out. Who am I and why am I here? Mm. As I got to the latter day philosophers, I ran into one called C.S. Lewis and I got his book, Mere Christianity. Uh, not because I was interested in Christianity, but I wanted to hear what Lewis's take was because I knew that he was uh, a professor at Oxford and <clears throat> well-educated, thoughtful, He'd written some wonderful stories that um, the children enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to see his perspective. And he had a paragraph in the middle of the book that froze me and I couldn't get it out of my mind. Even when I finished the book, it just kept gnawing at me. <clears throat> he asked a simple question. And his simple question was, Jesus said he was the son of God. So he is either one of three things. He is either the son of God, a lunatic who thinks he's the son of God, like, like you know, maybe he thinks this other people think they're a, whatever, a tomato or something, or he's got some ulterior motive he's trying to gain by saying he's the son of God. He did not live his life as if he were a lunatic, and he did not live his life as if he had anything ulterior motive to gain. So... You cannot call him a wise man or a great teacher. You have to either call him the son of God or one of the other two. Choices. Yes, I've heard these ideas before. I've I've used this statement as well, where people, I would ask, you know, maybe someone of another faith, you know, who do you say Jesus was? And they say, well, he was a prophet and a great uh, person. And I was like, so you mean if somebody showed up right here and said, I'm God or son of God, you would, what would you think? Okay, please keep going. Fascinating. Yeah, that's that's so that led me to. I needed to know who Jesus was, and I had never read the Bible, so I decided, I sat down and I said, "Okay, I how many pages a day do I have to read to finish the Bible in a year?" And it was like five pages. So every day I read five pages, and at the end of the year, I 
came to the conclusion that I knew, I now knew that I knew less than I thought I knew. I needed to start over again and read it again. And now the second time through, in a second year, verses I had read before, which I didn't understand or didn't make sense to me, now connected to other verses in other parts of the Bible and started to bring more depth to to what the truth of the Bible is. I did that for four years. And at the end of the four years, I decided I I need to to do the next step. So that for up until the time I started reading the Bible, I was in rebellion. The second part of my life, which like I had, intentional rebellion, like like sort of like uh, frustrated or angry rebellion, like I don't believe that crap type stuff, or just or just nah, nah. It's just in the background. It's like noise in the background. Yeah, okay. I'm living my life the way I want to live it. Okay. Uh, so now I decided I was going to wrestle with God find out, is God real, like Lewis did? So I read, when I was reading the Bible, I was always looking for things that were wrong, things that were inconsistent. And um, every time I would find one and re- and really do some heavy research outside to try to figure it out, I, I would find that it was not. Once I understood the truth and how everything linked, and you know, the Bible is written in a number of different literary styles. So when you're reading history in the Bible, it's history. So there has never been an archaeological discovery in the history of human discovery that has contradicted anything in the Bible. As a matter of fact, every one of them confirmed what was in the Bible. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. So that was that was helpful. But, you know, some of it's poetry. So someone will read something that's a poem written intentionally to, to make a point, as a poems are, and they'll try to take it out and say, see? It's contradicting something else where you can't do that. You I can't see. take a piece of a, you know, the one, the quote I've heard before is like the Raven quotes no more. Well, there's a point being made. It's not, you know, you can't just take a piece out of that poem and then try to say, is this real or is this reality? And we do that both, both, if you will, atheists and Christians do that, right? Cherry pick something and then just, yeah. yeah. Good point, by the way. Good point. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, I joined a church. I started, you know, I could tell you some things that basically in my mind were miracles that occurred during this period of time, but uh, I think it's distracting from the tr- the story that I'm trying to tell here. So I'm not going to do that, but okay. those kinds of things reaffirmed what was going on in, in my search. And so I got, I was in a church for four years and then the pastor moved back to Tennessee. That's just where he was originally from. And uh, when he left, the new pastor that came in I didn't even know the denomination of the church. I just found a church that we we were looking for churches and we would sit in a church. The sermon was good. The people were loving. So we, we joined the church. I had no idea what it was. But when the second one came in, second pastor, he's a, it's a Southern Baptist church, but this guy was a very fundamentalist. Fundamental. I don't even know what that word means. So let's not. No, I get it. what you're saying though. Yeah. But he's, he was, you know, the God, he makes the God of the, Old Testament sound yeah. hard. Yes. And that is not who I believed God was from the first pastor that was there. So I went out to find another church. We found another church. Hmm. I learned, grew, I grew, I got more confirmations in my own life as I as I started changing some of the things in my life to conform more what I believed was what God was saying about life and how it could be. May I ask, Bill, were you conscientious as you're going through this trans 
transformation that you're talking about, were you conscientious of the truth versus you being sort of uh, encultured to, that's probably not the right, right. word. To, no, I get to, it. To, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Indoctrinated. Indoctrinated. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. The word I would use. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I'm a very skeptical person. That's why it's okay. took me 13 years to get through that second part of my life, which was wrestling with God. Even though I was going to church and I was a deacon and, you know, I still wasn't, I had still was not, I had, did not have the belief to the point where I could get baptized. I could not do that. Wow. I, so I was still immersed in trying to learn and, and seeing the truth. And, you know, you the problem we have in our society is you can see Christians doing all kinds of things that are not Christian-like. And when that happens, <laughs> yeah. you can't. Yeah, well, all of us, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But when that happens, it drives people who are, are in the rebellion stage away from even starting the wrestling stage. Yeah, wow. And, and so... At the end of the wrestling stage, there was no doubts anymore. I had explored all of the things like, did is the world really only, you know, six or 7,000 years old, 6,000 years old, roughly. And, you know, did God create everything in six days? You know, am I going to believe all this? And every time I did research, every time it came out to the, yes, these are all true. That's why he wrote them in the Bible so that we could understand the truth. If we were willing, if we were willing to wrestle with them and look for the truth, this will look, I was looking for the lies. That's the way I would say it. That's fascinating. I, you know, whoo, man, you're, you're raising the hair on the back of my neck trying to, you know, because these are all questions that I ask, And we, we had a conversation earlier that um, I do, I have a lot of questions like, like, for instance, there are. Let me just say that that sometimes, and I'll speak for myself, I tend to rely on what I believe is common sense. Mm -hmm. So I think to myself, like some of the stories in the Bible, including Adam and Eve, where people said, you know, it was really more of a metaphor, more of a a, a, a myth, but but you know, but brought out by God to help us understand some things that maybe we would otherwise not understand. And I thought, I mean, that kind of makes sense. And that's, but you're, you're saying it's it's the it's a true story. Correct. It's history. Okay. There's a lot history. Of, yeah. Okay. There's a lot of those parts of that. Yeah. As an example, back when uh, the rebellion against God was strong, uh, and you know, in the 17, 1800s, we got some major movements because people were trying to do everything they could to get God out of their lives. Mm. And that basically, in effect, making themselves gods. We are our own gods. You can determine your own who you are. Look inside you kind of a thing. Yes, yes. The truth is not external. It's relative. You know, all yes. these other things. Um, yes, I've heard all those things is what I'm saying. <laughs> so, Yes. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, all of those things are an attempt to um, produce lies about the Bible that will deter people, have create doubts in people's minds. So if you look at the creation story, back then when all this was going on, no one knew anything about DNA. So evolution and all that kind of made sense. 
But once you really understand how DNA works, which I spent a lot of time reading books about it with people that are a lot smarter than I am writing about it, evolution makes no sense. It's impossible. So go ahead. No, please. No, please. please. So, so if you go back to the creation story of Adam and Eve, God keeps it simple. It's not a chicken or egg story. He created man. And he created woman. And he created them to have babies. I mean, you know, now that makes sense. Exactly. The reality is when you get to yeah. the truth and you yeah. compare it to all the other things that sort of make yeah. sense sometimes, the truth stands out. Yeah. I mean, it's so complicated. If you think about DNA, how complicated the DNA structure is. Yeah. Billions of pairs that that are a computer code basically written. I was a my degree in college, computer science, math. It's it's impossible to think that that evolved. I mean, you really have to be have a lot of faith to believe that that evolved rather than was created. Yeah, I've heard people say that you you actually you know it it it's uh, it's probably easier to to understand some of the other things that are said than to understand God. You know, and and where, where where it all began, you know, and I, I might say the the one thing that I've still not heard anybody answer is that if let's say the Big Bang theory is true, which I'm not even opposing that it's not true, I just still want to ask the question: Who caused the bang? And they I still haven't heard an answer behind that. Right. Well, there is no answer to that other than God. Yeah, no, there is. You can't. You can't have it two ways. You can't say it's science who has proven there's no God and then ignore science. That's right. <laughs> science says you can't create yeah, yeah, something yeah. out of nothing. Yeah. You can't do it. That's what science says. So why can you all of a sudden now go away from science and create something else that you're in your mind makes you, you know, calm and relaxed about believing in evolution when it's not true? Very interesting. That's fascinating. I love what you're saying. So allow me, if I will, to sort of broaden the conversation a little bit more. And 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 I suppose we're going to kind of come back into where what we're talking about here right now. But if I may, I, I want to ask, um, Bill, you know, why do we let's and we're not talking Christians now, just anybody. Why do we pursue the truth? What you know, what are we searching for? Why, why does anybody want to pursue the truth? Yeah, that's a great question. I love that. Um, if you believe that there is a creator God and that he created us, then there had to be a purpose for that. So if he created us for a purpose, which, I mean, when you look at an airplane, I mean, somebody had a purpose, right? Before they created that airplane, right? There was a purpose. Well, he has a purpose. His purpose is for all of us to live in eternity, totally in love with each other, treating each other that way. Mm. Now, if you look around our world, you don't see that. You see people doing everything. They make appearances of what they their image of love is, but yeah. God's image of love is different. God says love is when you love someone more than you love yourself. That's where, it's, that's where the heart of it is. So God loves us more than he even loves himself. And he created us in an environment where it's possible for us, it was possible for us to have heaven in in this life. But unfortunately, 
we have to understand what love is first. <laughs> you cannot force anyone to love you. That's right. It has to be freely given. So the one thing God couldn't do is create us to love in love with him, already in love with him. He can create us to love him, but not in love with him. Yeah. So because of that choice that he had to give us, there are going to be many people who are going to choose to love themselves, like Satan, who was Lucifer. God gave him all this great, you know, he was beautiful, he was intelligent, he was the kind of the top angel, top job in the angel world. And he rebelled because he thought himself now God. Mm. And that's our problem. We have so many people out here who want to be God, mm. their own God, but God. And then once they get their own power over themselves, they want to be power over a small group and then a power over a bigger group. And pretty soon they want to run a nation or take over the world. And that's why you get the Hitlers of the world and all these other people that have, you know, and we have plenty of them in our government right now, to be honest with you, that are trying to tell everyone else what to do and how to do it. Mm. But that's not what God does. God says, this is the way I created everything. It worked together perfectly if you live within these the rules of the creation. In other words, how things were created. But if you if you deviate from that, every time you deviate, you hurt. You either hurt yourself or someone else or both. But doesn't therein lie some of the problem is understand what the rules are? Well, so if I brought you into a room of people you know, family, friends, whatever, and strangers, if I brought you into that room, how long would it take you to tell me which people love you and don't love you? Yeah, I guess not long. You know, I mean, I, I guess I get a feeling or a sense or... or yeah. yeah, and eventually you would learn by living with around people which ones loved you and didn't, right? Yes. Do I have to define what those things are? No. And God doesn't either. He doesn't. He tells us, if in the Bible, he says, well, he gave us the Ten Commandments. And then humans created 613 ordinances called the mitzvah to try to rule everybody else. You know, this is how you, this is how God, this is how you you into the 10 commandments. Yes. Got it. Yeah. So they took the 10 commandments and expanded it into 613. I mean, how many laws do we have in the United States right now? You know, tens of thousands. Yeah. Right. Okay. Man, if you count the States and the municipalities, we probably have hundreds of thousands of laws. Yeah. Why do we need all those laws? If I lived my life as if I loved everyone else around me, we wouldn't need any laws, zero laws. Yes. And that's the way God created everything to work together. Very interesting. But that depends on, so if we're all in a room and uh, we're all supposed to love each other, then that supposes that everybody will love each other. Correct. And so I love you until you slap me in the face. Correct. Or maybe not the first time I turn my cheek and say, okay, I love you. You slap me again. And over time, um, I'm like, I hate Bill. He slaps me in the face every day. And what Jesus has come to show us is that that's not what we're supposed to do. Not the hitting part, but the responding part. He's telling us to turn the other cheek. When Peter asked him, how many times should we forgive? He didn't say seven times. He said 70 times seven. What does that mean? Anytime, anytime you get to in the Bible, anytime they use those kinds of expressions, they're just saying unlimited. Infinitely. Yeah. Infinitely. It's unlimited. So how long does he have to hit you 
and you forgive him before he stops hitting you. Wow. Because that's, that's what ends up happening. He stops hitting you. I'm with you now. I see. And that's what love's all about. Love is not about me. It's about me loving other people. So God loves us unconditionally. He lets us do. When he created the garden, he told Adam and Eve, eat of all of the fruit of the trees except one. Why didn't he just leave that tree out of the garden? That's a good question. Okay. He didn't put a fence around it either, did he? I don't think he so. He just told them, don't eat out of it. Why? Because he's created the world in a way that it's perfect for everybody to live together in love, but he has to give us the free will of whether we want to do that or not. I see. And that was, that's essentially that, that exactly. with, without that, there is no decision to be made. Exactly. Then we're just robots and that's not love. Right. Right. That's fascinating. So then, okay. Wow. So the average person, again, even the non-Christian then, if I understand what you're saying, is that maybe at some given point in our life, we come to this place of going, you know, what, what, why am I here? And then that's, that's when we either intentionally or unintentionally or unconsciously or whatever start pursuing, either pursuing the truth or, or pursuing some understanding, or by the way, just ignoring it. Just like you said, it's just background noise. I mean, I don't know. That's all too complicated. I'm just trying to live my life. Right. Yes. Yeah. And when I think about love, Because ultimately, if he's if he's created everything, he's seen the end from the beginning. <clears throat> this is the way, kind of the way I explain this. It's kind of <laughs> it's a little weird, but no, please. Um, he picked a starting point. He said, "This is what I'm going to do at the beginning," and then he, you're talking about an infinite mind now. Okay, he took. He said, "Okay, now with all the freedom I'm going to allow, what are the possible?" From this starting point, what are the possible things that could happen that create all these different alternative realities? And so one goes out like this, and one goes out over here, and one goes over. And he looked at all of them, saw this, this giant spear spear with all these little things from the center shooting out in all directions with all kinds of twists and turns. And, and he looked at the endpoints of all the infinite number of possibilities that were, and he said, that's the one I want. And then he looked back and saw, okay, so this, this one requires me to get involved. I'm going to have to come in and create a flood at some point. I'm going to have to, in the garden, allow them to mess up. I'm going to have to allow Satan to take a third of the angels. I'm going to have to allow this. I'm going to have to allow that. But I'm going to have to interfere in these areas. And so he gets from that starting point to the ending point doing everything he needs to do. Now it's up to us to do what we need to do. Wow. So Bill, can the truth, I guess you could say, can it be determined? Can it be objectively determined, you know, from your standpoint or, you know, <clears throat> again, I'm tr trying, I'm, I'm staying a little bit more broad than from the Christian perspective, although I clearly understand that's where you're coming from and don't mind going there. I'm trying to expand this for those who maybe don't have that that uh, under 
that foundation uh, yeah and then you're coming from you know right and and then and then again I, I clearly understand where you're coming from but so so that's the question about the truth when people maybe we talk about when you pre-christian when you started looking for the truth did did, did you well when I was pre-christian pre-christian yes the truth was <laughs> what I believed was going to allow me to get to where I wanted to go okay the truth Okay, got it. So then it is based on it's it is subjective and it is based on individual perspective and that, that, sort of that was my idea then. Okay. Sure. I did not understand how this was I didn't understand reality, let's put it that way. Because right now we live in an what I what I would call an alternate reality. It's 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 the reality of the pre uh second appearance of Christ. That's the reality we're in now, and it's and it's, but it's not the reality that he created everything to be in the end. So he's he's giving us this life. Each one of us has the freedom in this life to choose to live eternally with him forever, or to live this life only any way we want, and he's not going to stop us. Yeah. So we get unfortunately when that's allowed. We get all kinds of people who are willing to uh, traffic children or you know, <clears throat> shoot somebody because they didn't like their the way they acted in line or something. It's it's absolutely insane when you start thinking about those kinds of things. Those are certainly not demonstrations of love. And uh, so when you get to the truth part, it's the Jesus told us he was the he is the truth. He says, "I am the truth, the way, the truth, the life, the truth." He's the truth. So what does that mean? It means that everything he's told us, we can count on. It's truthful. He's going to be with us in all the pains and suffering we have to do in this world to get through this life. That's why he tells us we can still have joy and peace, his peace, not the way the world gives peace, but his peace. So we could be in the middle of being tormented and per persecuted and uh, all those things and still have peace and joy. <clears throat> because of hope. <laughs> C.S. Lewis, when when he, there's a story, I don't think it's true, but maybe it's true. <laughs> he was walking down the halls at Oxford and uh, uh, the professors called him into the room and they had been writing all the different religions on the wall, on this black whiteboards all over there, tons of stuff, you know, this, which one is the truth? Which one is the truth? Which one should we, what, what's the difference between them? You know, really, what's the difference? And uh, C.S. Lewis looked looked at him for a few seconds and said, oh, that's simple, grace, and he walked out of the room. Because it's the only religion that provides grace. You don't have to earn it. You cannot earn it. We as humans are too flawed to earn it. We could never be in front of a perfect God because we earned it, because we changed our lives and our no, we're too selfish. Because we're, that would then uh, essentially, but you make us equal to God, right? That if we could get that perfect, then that's sort of what Lucifer Lucifer did, right? He he started to think, I'm so perfect, I think I ought to be in your place. You know, <laughs> why do I need to look at you? And Jesus wouldn't have need to come and die. Yeah. He wouldn't have had to go to the cross. He yeah. wouldn't have had to go through the scourging. Yeah. yeah. So when people are looking at... <clears throat> history and looking and seeking out the truth, perhaps in the way that you did, 
or just trying to understand various aspects of life. Of course, many over the years, and I'm not a philosopher, nor did I, I mean, I've studied philosophy, but more from a practical standpoint, we do look for, you know, we do look to philosophers and others to understand things, you know, Plato and I'm kind of a Plato guy. I mean, at least I liked many of the things that he wrote. So where does that fit into everything? Do do we ignore what they say? No, I don't, we don't need to ignore it. But if we, if we again believe that there's a God and he provided a book, the Bible, that's where we start. I see. And my, my, I was very lucky, fortunate to run into C.S. Lewis that got me to start reading the Bible because of, Unfortunately, there's so much information out in this world. You could start in a journey and get down the rabbit hole and never get to the Bible. Yeah, You have to start with the Bible because this is the book that was written by God. And he, yeah. you know, and he proves it to you so many different ways. All the prophecies that were fulfilled, the fact that the, he buried thousands of copies of the Old Testament in the desert that we found in 1947, 2,000 years later. And there's really no differences. The only differences are copying mistakes. And most of those you can find because there are multiple copies of each book. So in one book, there's not a comma that should be there, right? Well, then you look at the other one, you go, well, which one's right? Well, the one with the comma or the one without the comma, you can figure those things out. Yeah. Or a spelling of a word. They misspell yeah. a word. Or the different accounts, you know, for instance, at the, at the you know, at the tome when Jesus, you know, um, when when others marry, I mean, there there's an argument about who was actually there, you know, when when Jesus rose from the dead, if you will. Yeah, and that those kinds of things are always determined from. Remember now, when we look at what the Bible is, and it's it's written over fifteen hundred years, forty some authors, some many of them at, alive at the same time, but many of them not, right? But the right. when you have uh, like the Gospels, the four Gospels, those are four different people given the same message, seeing the same things, but focusing on the parts of those things that made sense for what they were supposed to do afterwards. You know, where, where am I supposed to do? Oh, I'm supposed to go to the Jews and tell them that Jesus is their Messiah. He is the person that was they've been promised for all those years. Mm-hmm. He is the person that all of the history and everything that's happened and all the prophecies, he fulfilled all of them. He is that. Okay. That's one person. Now, Paul is totally, his, his whole idea is that he needs to get uh, the message to different group of people, you know? So everybody had different assignments, if you will, and they saw things through their own lenses, but the message was the same message. So if you see, in one version uh, of the account that uh, from one apostle that says uh, the crow, the cock crowed three times. Mm-hmm. And the other one says it co- crowed when the cock crowed only to mentioning once. It doesn't mean that they were con- conflicting. Right. It means that one of them only cared about the fact that the cock crowed. And then Peter, you know, right. the other one is just giving you a little more detailed information. Right, right. It's it's kind of like you, you know, I mean, maybe this is probably not the best example, but you, you know, t- two people heard some gunfire and one said, yeah, some, I heard some shooting. 
Right. And then another person said, yeah, I heard, I heard somebody shot three times. You know, I mean, right. it's, it's just sort of the same idea. Okay. Yes. So Bill, um, I guess, first of all, I do want to get to this question. You've kind of spoken a little bit to it, but maybe I want to ask you directly where you said that you believe that God is consistently misrepresented. Correct. Uh, more specifically, what do you mean by that? Well, I'll give you examples in this world. Um, you'll see debates going on where one side is supposedly representing God and the other side is pointing their fingers at Christians and saying, see, you want to do this to us all the time, this kind mm -hmm. of thing. And it's in, the intent is to focus God on one side and put God in a position where he's now doing things or saying things mm -hmm. that are not from God, which is the same thing that the Pharisees did with those 613 ordinances they created. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing. I see. Expanding the rule, if you will. Exactly. So if you keep, it's simple, which is what God did. I mean, Jesus, he took the 10 commandments and divided them into two. The first four are love, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the bottom six are love your neighbor as thyself. So what is in both of those? Love. Then he said, you fulfill all of the laws and the prophets with one word. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love, that's the whole thing. Yeah. So he brought it down to one word. Yeah. So I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I'm I'm I apologize. I don't I know I'm making faces here that inter <laughs> interrupt. You know, but I, I get I'm really more thinking of, of what you're saying and thinking why you know, why again, I, I'm gonna speak for myself. Why do I struggle to love? Um we're human. We're human. We're not gods. And we have to understand that and humble ourselves and surrender. But once we surrender, we stop striving. All the stuff in this world is all about striving. We have to compete with somebody else. We have to be better than the other person. That's not how we were created. We were all created with these wonderful gifts, totally different gifts all over the spectrum. Just as you look around at the flowers, they're different colors, sizes, shapes. And that's what makes it beautiful. That's what this world was created to be like. But when we have to say that we're better somehow, or you have to look at us and instead of looking at them, we're just doing the opposite. We've stepped out of the way this thing was created when we do that. What does it mean to surrender, to let go? What does that mean practically? You know, what do I do? If I said to you, Bill, okay, I'm ready to surrender to God, what I'm going to walk out of here and surrender. What do I actually need to do? <laughs> okay. I would say the first thing is read the Bible okay. over and over and over again, because everything you need to know is in there. Okay. Everything. And surrendering just means surrendering to the truth. This is the way he created everything to work together. Surrender to that. Don't try to create your own. Don't try to, I, I know um, this, your podcast here isn't about abortion, but I'm going to use that as the example here for this okay. case. There are two sides, pro-choice and pro-life. Neither side represents God. Mm. But the pro-life side says they represent God, and the pro-choice side says, see, they're trying to throw God at us, and we don't want God thrown at us. Mm. But if, if we would just take that and say, what is 
What is God's position on abortion? It's the same as his position is on everything else. It's not our business, yours and mine, to tell that woman whether she should have an abortion or not. That's not how he created us. He created us to love that woman no matter what she chooses to do. Okay, but now some would say that you're taking a pro-choice position there. If God says we're not supposed to judge, then it's up to them. That's pro-choice, wouldn't it be? Well, that's and I'm asking, I'm not pushing back. No, no, I agree. There are elements of pro-choice that are from God, and there are elements of pro-life that are from God. So part of part of pro-love, which is the solution, God's solution to this discussion on uh, abortion, pro-love says we have to tell people the truth. The truth is it it is a human being. Mm. That that is not a fetus or some cells, it's a human being. It got the DNA was created mm. as soon before the first cell divided. Mm. Mm. So it is a it is a human being. But you know, God didn't stop Hitler from killing six million Jews. Mm. Mm. Did he? Okay. No, right. because he's here to save all to of say, them. Yeah. Yeah. So if a if a woman is willing to to look at the options, there are five options on abortion of, of versus, or excuse me, for pregnancy. The first one is to, to have the baby and raise it. The second one is to have the baby and give it up for adoption. The third one is have the baby and have the father take the baby. There's a thought. The fourth one is have the baby and have family raise the baby, which is which a hundred years ago that was common. There was a lot of that going on. Hmm. Fifth choice is abortion. But you got to know that would you know God isn't going to kill you because you pick abortion, but he would not that have you been that is not showing love to that baby of yours. So he would not give tell you to make that choice, but he's still going to love you, even if you make that choice. Because if he does, it's like remember we talked about earlier, slapping in the face, slapping in the face. How many times before do you have to get slapped in the face before the person that's slapping you says, "I'm going to stop slapping you"? That's the same thing. So she has the abortion. Do you think that women that have the abortion, how many of them are feel guilty or shame afterwards? And that's because we're sticking all these stupid stigmas on them. It's not our job to judge them. It's our job to forgive them, to love them unconditionally, to support them. I mean, if you're not giving them any choices, you can sit there in pro-life and say, oh, they ought to not have. But yeah, I shouldn't have the baby, but I can't afford to pay for the baby's food. Yeah, yeah. How do I, how do I finish school if I have this baby? I mean, we have to give solutions to all those problems. We can't just yeah. say, it's your problem. Yeah. 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 That's, that's an interesting perspective. In other words, if, if we are doing it, and let's, let's pick Christians, excuse me, if we're doing this out of love, then the most loving thing to do probably would be, you know, one, I mean, God, you know, and Jesus is clear about forgiveness. We forgive the person, whatever that means. Two, we, really seek out solutions as opposed to condemnation. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Because if you think about it, a lot of times the solution, the only solution that seems possible is abortion because there is no other side to it. This pro-life side, they come up with, you know, don't kill because it's wrong, but they don't, they don't give the alternatives to solve the problem. Come around that woman as a, as a community and say, what do you need? 
here's the other, here are the five choices. Which one would you pick if you didn't have any other, in other words, if, if food wasn't a problem, if education wasn't a problem, if travel wasn't a problem, if living expenses weren't a problem, which one would you pick? And then whichever one you pick, we're going to support you. We're going to come there with the resources necessary to eliminate that problem for you. Wow. But that's the way of everything in society that's being, we're dividing ourselves right now can be solved if we would come to it from that position of love. <clears throat> A skeptic like me, when we blow this up into larger societal problems, um, I guess in terms of society and the world, I, I don't feel a lot of hope, quite honestly. You know, I, and I'm not talking about the hope of salvation. I'm not talking about that at all. I look at the problems that we're having in this country right now, and wow, I, I, I don't know what it would take to turn it around. I, I mean, I can't comprehend it. <laughs> uh, I, I think, well, I, I'm not even going to go there because uh, it's, but. Um, it might even be one of the reasons why my why my throwaway line is, well, God's in control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is in control. Well, you know, and that's the funny thing about control, because you got all these people, is, is it predetermined or is it free will? And the reality is it's free will, but he's seen it already. So yeah. it's like, I'm going to give you an example. That's a you different concept, if I may just throw that out there, to say that he has... To, to say versus predestined, uh, really, you're saying he's 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 seen it. He's he's that's a different concept, right? Absolutely, Am I understanding that correctly. Totally different. Totally different. So it's like you you watch a football game. At the end of the game, your team fumbles the ball. When they're down by three points, they need to get the ball back. And you think it's there's no time left. You're anxious. You're upset. You're you're excited. You're all these different things, right? But now they get they they do get the ball back and they do score and they win the game. Now you watch the replay. How is the whole life different? How is that whole game different now when you know you won the game, even when you see all the tragedies that are going to happen along the way? Oh. You already won. And that's that's what we need to understand. The one he picked, that line he picked. For the end result, that line, he already saw all those fumbles and all the things we're doing every day. He's already seen all those. He's not predestined us to do it. It was our free will that made that choice. But he picked that line, and he knew where he had to come in and that line. So the flood is an example, because he can't let evil get to the point where it totally destroys the world, the whole population. He has to always leave himself a remnant. So that he can, so that it can be finished. That's the line he picked because it's getting him the result that he wants. So he's always working towards. He's all he's always there for us, and so if we think only about this life, then we're not going to have hope because in this life, it's not going to end the way we think it's going to end. There's going to be a lot of tragedy. His peace is not the same as peace on earth. The the this world's peace is. Well, I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to be, you know, in some kind of a gated, safe community. You know, that's I'm going to have a giant retirement plan. You know, that's what we think of as peace. That is so false. But you're not saying don't do those things, correct? correct. I mean, correct. He wants us to have an abundant. 
in eternity, when we're living together, we will have chosen to be there. Yeah. It will be easy to love everyone else. And we know no one is going to hit us. So we're certainly not going to hit anybody else. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This is deep. And I, I mean, it just, I, I have to admit it, it, for me, it provokes more questions than, than complete answers, but clearly for me, again, what you have said has opened my eyes and my ears to better questions, quite frankly. That's and, what I want to hear. <laughs> That's what I keep doing. Yeah. I keep getting different answers, you know, and not different, but newer, better answers than, yeah. than I had before because I understand things bigger, better. But if we can't have this dialogue, neither one of us are elevated. Right. Right. in our thought. Right. And that's why more of this kind of discussion needs to occur so people can start stop feeling like God is somehow ready to put a thumb on them and is not happy. You know, God, <laughs> might our pastor say this once, God does not believe we're rejects. He, 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 doesn't, he, he doesn't want to go back and start over. He already knows everything we've done and he still loves us and he still was willing to go to the cross to die for us. So why are we holding ourselves back? Why are we looking at ourselves and critically? And he's already, he already has accepted us unconditionally. You know, I sit here and I think to myself, because <clears throat> I, I clearly understand what you say, the difference between sort of this concept of predestination versus the idea that the line has been drawn and God sees it all it still leaves open the question, well, okay, where am I falling inside that line? And do I get a choice? If, if it's already, now I'm going to say the word predestined, if it's already, if he's seen it happen, where am I? You know, and if I'm not there, then what do I do about it? You know, do I just accept I'm going to hell? If I'm going to hell, then let me, I'm going to live it up. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you, you hear that kind of thing a lot. Yeah. Um, it's back to that football game that you watch the replay of. Yeah. The replay, it's all, we already know what's going to happen. It's not, not going to change, right? Yeah. yeah. But when the game happened and that running back made that decision to make that certain cut that got him to hit some, got hit and he fumbled the ball, that was his choice to make that decision. So all we're seeing right now or what God's saying right now, is the replay of, of the line he picked of all of our free choices. And he had to step in in certain times. There's a verse in the Bible that says, <clears throat> he, he, that we're gonna, humanity is going to reach a point where it can destroy itself, and he will end. In other words, he's going to come back before that happens. It says that in the Bible. Well, we got close to it when we created the atom bomb right? Yeah. Okay. So we're getting closer to the end whenever those kinds of things are going on. When we can create our own virus and release it and millions of people die, we're getting closer. So I don't know how long it's going to be. It could be hundred years, 500 years. I don't know, yeah. but I can tell you one thing we're closer now to the end than we were before that yeah. atomic yeah. bomb was created. That's yeah. for sure. But now, okay. So I'm, I'm just going to, play really dumb here and okay so the football game has taken place right on the one hand i made a cut 
you know, already. Mm -hmm. God saw the cut I made. It was the wrong cut. I'm like, God, can you, you know, can you help me not make that cut? I mean, I don't want to make that cut because I want to go to heaven. Yeah, there's a. Am problem. I making sense what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm no, absolutely. Myself. One of those other lines. One of those other lines had a split. You know, at some point along the line, there was a split that went this way and a split. That, that's the what you're talking about. One way and another way. Yeah. Well, the, if it went this way, you didn't ask God about help. This way, you went to God. You said, "I understand. I'm human, and you're God, and I want to spend." eternity in a world where everybody loves each other yeah what do i have to do now yeah. remember we talked about the three parts of my life we talked about the rebellion and the wrestling we haven't yes. talked about the third part once yes. i got baptized i was no longer wrestling with god i had made the decision he is god so from then on the rest of my life i have been reasoning with him not to change his line or to change his idea of the football game or what he's seen or anything. It's so that I can now get in line, align with what I should be doing, what I believe God wants me to do if I love everybody else. If I'm really going to love everybody else, how do I have to change my own life? And for my, me personally, I was very selfish. And uh, I was, I, you know, in my mind, I was very mean and cruel to people because I had an agenda. And I had to get it done. Well, I started to see those kinds of things. And I have an example in one of the books I wrote where I talk about this little, uh, we have a little road that comes from uh, Highway 1, it's called 68, down into Pacific Grove. Well, down this road, there's a light. And at the light, you can turn right and go to the post, uh, the hospital, or you go straight down the hill. That's, But 100 yards before that light and 100 yards after that light, the one lane changes to two lanes and then goes back to one lane after the light. So the process of reasoning is called God. When, when God um, tried to describes to us uh, our transformation, he he's, he's giving us um, little steps in the process, these little things we need to do. So I'm going to talk about this example. So I went before I, um, I was already reasoning with God, but I'm driving on this road and I always would pull to the right lane to get to the light because you can buy two or three cars, mm -hmm. right? So no big deal. A lot of people are doing it. Sure. And then I was reading the Bible one day, which is why I told you, if you want to know what to do, read the Bible. Okay. It placed on my heart that why am I doing that? Because am I not getting in out of line and in line in front of somebody else now who was in front of me, that doesn't sound like I love them. You know, I'm going to stop doing that. So now I come up. Do you I mean this up. metaphorically or, or actually driving? Driving. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about really me driving. I was, this is an exact, I'm giving you my personal experiences here of driving down this one yeah. road. And I've had a lot of people tell me they've had the similar experiences. So. Yeah, I have too. But my question is really about the idea that you felt that after this introspection, you feel like, yeah, maybe driving around them is not love. Correct. That's okay. what I believe. Okay. So, so I stayed in the line. And now I'm seeing people pass me on the right. I see. And I'm not happy. 
because now they're sinning, <laughs> right? In my mind. Wow. I've got in my you. mind. I was sinning. Now I'm not sinning anymore. So I'm righteous. Yeah. Now oh, they're sinning, right? Wow. Right. Oh, so now I'm not happy with them. And so when the lanes start to close back, wow. make it difficult for them to pull in at first. Yes. Each of those stages, when I'm reading different parts of the Bible, I was convicted. It was wrong. I need to forgive them. I need to, I need to, you know. Um, this is the abortion thing, right? Quit Isn't judging. It? So, yeah. so, so as, I, as they're going by me and, and I'm upset, I have to stop judging them. It's not my job to judge whether they're sinning or not. I had to judge myself. That's how I got out of there. So that was me not that long ago. So what am I judging them for? I got to stop judging. And then forgiveness, because when they start to combine, I have to slow up and let them get back in line. Even wow. though they've been sinning wow. to me, you know, my own mind, because I, I have to change my life. That's what reasoning with God's about, That's change my life. And as we go through that transformation process, parts of our lives start changing. And immediately you start seeing how it affects all the other people in your life. Because it doesn't happen just, those people don't know you. They don't see you every day. Yeah, but the right. people that you live with and you're around every day, they see those changes. That's they right. see how you care about them, how you're showing them love. And that's what changes a society. And that's what we need to do more of. But it starts with us individually. We can't change. That's why the abortion thing is, you know, we're not here trying to change her mind. We just want her to understand what God really believes. And here's the truth. This is what God believes. Here are the five choices. We're going to support you no matter what you pick. What do you want to do? Yeah, and don't throw our car out in front of her, right, to stop her from sinning. Exactly. Wow, that's deep, man. I've that's I hear you that that's a real thing, but what a metaphor too. What a what an analogy to life and and what you just said about the concept of of I was a sinner, now I'm not a sinner, but I'm a judger right. and and I'm not going to forgive you for sinning even though somebody probably forgave me many times for and, being in the right lane. <laughs> and the ultimate person I want to forgive me, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. For all of my yeah, sin, yeah. not only the sins yeah. I've had in the past, yeah. but the sins I'm doing today and the ones yeah. I'm going to do in the future. He's yeah. forgiven all of those. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, so I have a little bit of a confession here, and that is that I, at the beginning of this conversation, I, I knew where we were going to kind of go with it, and I didn't send you any questions. I don't, I don't typically send any questions, but I, I did have this idea of where I wanted it to go, and I, and I, at first, I started to force it a little bit more than, you know, because I said, no, I want to go this direction with the podcast. Generally speaking, I'm, you know, I really am more engaged, more about allowing the guests to go in any direction they want, but I, I did have an agenda. And, and, and by the way, there was a point where I said, Kevin, stop, let it go where it goes, you know? And so I'm, I, I, I will thank God for, for throwing that thought into my head because it went exactly where it needed to go. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. No. You know what a pleasure it is to have you, Bill, and um, and to hear. Really, I mean, this kind of fits squarely into <laughs> the concept of grow yourself from the standpoint that, as I had kind of mentioned earlier in my monologue, that my idea is to have a guest hear some ideas and try to break it down. You know, wh where people can just digest some of the things that. Um, 
that that are being you know that will help us grow and and I think this uh you did a perfect job at giving some ideas, simple ideas that either create more questions that perhaps we can explore or at least you know like for instance you you know my I was going to ask again where do people start, but you already answered that question, and that was to read the Bible, you right. know yeah right. fascinating. Thank you, sir, for taking your time. And uh, I say this to many of my guests, that I have a deep appreciation that you delved in and put in a lot of hours, I'm sure a lot of pain and a lot of work into learning about something. And now we are blessed, or uh, I am appreciative, let me just put it that way, that you're sharing all of your hard work uh, for free. <laughs> well, that's what many, many have shared with me and that's how I, that's where I've gotten to the, where I am today. And hopefully we're, will continue to share with me so that I can keep growing. That's fantastic. But, no, I, before, but go, go ahead, ahead, please, please. No, please. I was just going to say that I do have a website. I was about to ask you that. <laughs> www.reasoningwithgod.com. Reasoningwithgod.com. Has a lot of blogs on there. Uh, has the books I've written on there. You can download them for free. Okay. There's no cost. Um, the whole goal of reasoning with God is to get people to make that transition, to start reasoning. And, and that is to think about what they do every day. You know, as Socrates would say, know thyself, know, know who you are, know what you do and how it affects other people and see it change your life. You, you'll, it's amazing how it'll change lives. So Wow. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Thank you again so much for uh, taking the time, Bill. Sure. Thank, Thank you. you. Bless you. Hey, All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.